0: Today's gospel lesson for the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. People of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. Earlier this week, I got a delivery over at the house. I was expecting it. It was actually a couple of pairs of blue jeans. One, in fact, I'm wearing right now as I'm recording this. And when I opened up those blue jeans and tried them on to make sure they fit, I noticed something right away. I could tell that at the factory where they were produced, they had gone very, 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 very heavy on the blue dye. You could tell just by looking at it that a lot of that dye was still in the material. Now, as the person in my house who does a lot of the laundry, it occurred to me, if I throw these in with other clothes, that blue dye is gonna come out in the water and it's gonna get all over everything. I really should take care of that. And so I thought to myself, well, I'll just take these two new pairs of blue jeans and I'll run them through the washer a couple of times and wash all that dye out. This is a great idea. Unfortunately, what I did not realize when I threw them into the washer for the first time was they were not alone in the washer. In fact, there was a stray pair of my son's socks, white at one point, that were hiding there in the washing machine when I, I didn't realize it until after they had already gone through once. And I pulled them out and looked at them, and lo and behold, here are these at one time white socks, now stained blue. It actually worked out okay in this situation. If you're familiar with Underwood, you know actually our school colors include dark blue, so, uh, so it works out okay in that regards. I kind of got away with it. But inevitably, it goes without saying that this moment had left its mark on those socks no longer white they were changed their appearance was different now it's that idea that I want to kind of hold on to and jump into our scripture for today we've got this wonderful little story this encounter that Jesus has one that's similar to many other ones but it's the idea of things leaving a mark that has really caught my attention there's a very subtle statement that we hear from Bartimaeus, the, the individual that Jesus encounters, that indicates that life has left its mark on him. There's this encounter that's going back and forth, this back and forth with Jesus, and Jesus asks him what he wants. And Bartimaeus says, I want to see again. We also hear it right at the end, he regained his sight. Now, these two tiny little moments indicate that at one point, Bartimaeus could see that he was not born blind. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this guy. We pretty much know his identity and that's about it, but we know he's blind. And this indicates that that had happened at some point, that life, something had happened, whether it was an illness or whether it was an accident or something, we don't know exactly what, but it had left its mark. And that mark, that reality, whatever we wanna call it, has brought him to this moment. Now, I really like this story it's a very brief snippet right at the end of jesus travels towards jerusalem you know what we've been hearing about for several weeks but What I really kind of like about this, what really caught my attention this time around as I was working with it is the comparison that we can make with a story that we just heard last week. Now, if you happen to catch our video or if you were here in person and, and heard our gospel lesson for last week, perhaps you thought there were some similar aspects going on in what we heard today with what we heard last week. Last week's story, we have James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And they come up to Jesus with a request. Likewise, today we have Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. What I love about this is his name is literally his identity. Bar means son of, so to call him Timaeus or Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. It's right in there. He's known as the identity of who his ancestors are. Just like James and John, sons of Zebedee, he, but Bartimaeus also has a request. That idea of identity is also present in how he addresses Jesus, son of David, referring back to his royal lineage and his connection to his ancestor David from so many generations before. Also an identity that we've come to know as Messiah. That's perhaps a side note. There's the similarity in requests from these individuals identified by their ancestry as they come to Jesus. Lord, we want you to give us whatever we ask. Son of David, have mercy on me. They're addressing Jesus. Now, Jesus has the exact same response. That's what I really, really captured my my imagination this week, as I realized that Jesus responds to Bartimaeus in exactly the same way that he responded to James and John. What do you want me to do for you? So we've got these similarities between these two stories, these two moments, these individuals who want something from Jesus, we also see very different results. Last week, James and John got a little bit of a vocal smackdown from Jesus when they made their request. Bartimaeus gets his healing. So, what's the difference? What is the difference between these two moments? Well, I can't help but think it lies in their request from the get go. James and John were seeking glory give us the seats of honor to sit at your right hand and your left hand when you come into your glory. They wanted to share it with Jesus. They wanted these places of authority and influence and power and prestige. They were looking for personal benefit. But think about what Bartimaeus asks for. This man who's blind, who's known blindness for who knows how long. He's a beggar. He's he's pushed to the margins because of this, this reality in his life. But when he addresses that son of David, he asks for mercy. That's how his request starts. Now, does he ultimately want something else? Yes, he desires to see again, but ultimately he wants mercy from the one that he believes can give it. And we have these two stories similarities and yet differences. And yet this man receives his healing. And that's wonderful. But it also gives me some pause. Because I find myself wondering how we hear it in those times when we recognize that someone doesn't get their healing. How often have we been in a situation where we have looked to the one that we hope can give us mercy? the one that we hope can give a healing, the one who can make us well, and it sort of seems like the answer comes out no. Any one of us who has had a loved one who's gone through an illness or a terminal diagnosis, or we've had someone die tragically or unexpectedly, or we've experienced it for ourselves when perhaps we have something that we're dealing with and we pray for healing and we hope and we ask for mercy and it seems like the answer comes back as no. And I can't help but think that if that is our reality, when we hear about this, it makes us wonder, where's my miracle? Why'd they get it and not me? And it seems really un. This is a reality that I think is kind of fitting right now in our area. For those of you familiar with the Underwood area, you know, over the course of this past week, we have had an anniversary go on. The same day went on two separate years, two years apart. Two of our high school students tragically died. And over the course of that time, we've had to deal with that. The fact that it happened on the same day is very, very painful. And while death is always difficult, when it's someone young like that under such tragic circumstances, it makes it that much harder of a pill to swallow. And we wonder why, and we wonder how, and we scream at the heavens and we don't get good answers. Directly on the heels of that anniversary this week, news broke from one community over the next school system over that there was another tragic accident and one of their students was also killed and again this coming year there'll be a graduation ceremony here in our area and there will be an empty chair And that is tragic and it is painful and it is not fair. And you can bet that in every single instance, those families, those parents, those people who loved those individuals were begging for a miracle. They were hoping for mercy and it seemed like the answer was no. Five years ago, almost to the day, I stood here on the heels of that first death And I acknowledged this painful truth. And I said that in moments like this, as we stand here and try and profess good news and a promise, and we think about the idea of praising God with a hallelujah, it seems really bitter and it seems really cold and it seems really broken. And I think that's true. To say otherwise would be lying because this reality that we live is painful. Things happen things that leave their marks on us, whether physically where it leaves a scar or emotionally those scars that we can't see and yet are still there. Life is painful, but it is also good. And so what do we do in that tension? And what do we do in this moment? We ask the question, God, what do we do with this? And what do we learn from this? What does it mean to be made well when maybe it doesn't mean the miraculous healing or the person who's saved from the accident? What do we do with that? In addition to all of that happening this week, we had another death here within our community, within our congregation, a beloved, wonderful woman who was 98 years old. And folks, there's nothing tragic about that. There's not, it was just her time. And yet, as we consider the reality of death, the reality that healing did not happen, what do we do when we have this comparison of a tragic death, the memory of other tragic deaths, and now this other death, which almost feels like a blessing, almost. What do we do with that? And perhaps the only thing that we can do is recognize the truth that sometimes being made well, sometimes being made whole does not lie on this side of death. This is a painful truth. But it is one that we are honest about. And it is one that we proclaim in the reality of the gospel, even in those times when the gospel might be kind of a hard pill to swallow, we remember it doesn't change and the gospel that we profess, the gospel that was made possible, the good news that was made possible through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, something he's been talking about over and over and over in our scripture lessons lately. What we remember there is something that he literally illustrated. Jesus died on the cross. The beloved son of God died, but then he came back. And when he appeared to his disciples he showed them the holes in his hands and his feet the wound in his side and in doing so he showed them and us that the resurrection does not erase death but it does somehow overcome it now whatever it was that jesus was doing through his life and then his death and then his resurrection that beloved son of god made it possible likewise for us to share in that same identity. Remember how our people today and last week were addressed, James and John, son of Zebedee, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Likewise, we are known by our identity of the one who claims us as beloved child. That claim which lies upon us made possible through Christ. Now that claim is one that nothing overcomes not the pain of this this world, not those painful situations that leave their marks on us and not even death, which let's be honest, has marked all of us at one time or another. The promise of the gospel, the promise of that claim, beloved child is one that ultimately nothing overcomes. And in fact, it finishes, that story finishes with wholeness that lies on the other side of death. I wish I could tell you what it looks like. I wish I could tell you that that will take all the pain that we experience in moments like this away, but I would be lying if I told you that. This side of the reality of death is hard. There is good things in life, and there are things to be joyful, and there are promises that give us hope, but it is also hard. But the promise that God has made to us through Christ is that ultimately the story's not over yet. And that being made well will ultimately come to reality out there in that unknown future for each and every single one of us. This is the promise of the gospel, a promise which sometimes might feel like a really hard pill to swallow. And this is one of those times. But thanks be to God that the one who gives us mercy and the one who gives us grace is the one who loves us and claims us, every single one of us. And that is a promise that will never, ever, ever fail us.